When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find a Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how you doing, bud? Oh, doing well, Casey. Um, kind of looking out the uh, the window here, it's pouring down rain. So well, we uh, areas of the Corn Belt really are uh, kind of finishing out this growing season just uh, like the doctor ordered here. So Yeah, yeah it seems like the, uh, the dry scare that we saw may have done some damage we won't know what it looks like until we get corn in the bin what that looks like but it seems like the the rains came in right about the right time and that blast of really hot air that we had come through the corn belt was somewhat short-lived very intense though for the little bit of time that was there but i guess looking around your neck of the woods there in illinois chip what are your thoughts so far about what you see in the crop yeah the crop looks really good for the road um you know, but I am picking, and these these rains we've had, we had some really good rains this past weekend. Uh, midweek, there were some rains, you know. This isn't, I looked in the radar, this is kind of coming through the central part of the, of the state. Uh, so it's not a huge uh, area, but certainly really good rains. Uh, so this is going to help the beans out in a big way. Um, guys that are starting to walk some fields, uh, and I'm starting to hear it more and more, 
um, on the corn that, yeah, that dry, you know, we had like essentially seven, eight weeks of no rain in May and June. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, we came into it really short subsoil moisture. And you're starting to hear more and more about, yeah, I'm only finding 14 around, uh, some tip back, some shallow kernels. Uh, so I, that's why I think here in a couple weeks, when the Pro Farmer Crop Tour starts, that's always highly um, followed. And, um, you know, everybody <clears throat> watches that with bated breath. This year is going to be, I think, maybe the, the most important um, of any of those tours, just because of the variability and everything we put this crop through, you know, too dry, too wet, rain, no rain, hail, wind, you know, you name it, you've thrown uh, the, the kitchen sink at this, uh, at this crop this year in different areas. And I think that Pro Farmer Crop Tour is really going to give us some good uh, good flavor of is this tip back and you know 12 and 14 arounds common versus you what you normally find 16 and 18 around and um you know if so that's could be 20 30 bushels right there so the plants look good uh, from the road but you know the question is what did that dry june do to those um you know to yield potential if anything. And so I think that's what the market's going to try to be asking itself. And it might take, you know, several more months to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, it, it'll be, I think this is one of the more, because um, you look and see what's happening in the market right now. You, you've seen some, you know, we've had this cascade of, of price over the last week and a half or so. Kind of showed up this last half week. We do have a report coming out today at noon, and that's going to change. Um, you know, it, this is the, uh, best way to put it this is the one where the uh usda grass for straws when they're when they're looking at this report right so if they do so, so this is going to be a, a tale so that more than likely they're probably going to come out and say oh it's going to be the best crop ever because of what they're seeing out there without really any agronomic data to back it up um but like you said this crop tour the, the pro farmer crop tour coming up is going to tell a, a good story as to what we see as an ending crop situation yeah, very much so. And uh, yeah, I, uh, to your point on this report today, the average estimate is for, um, you know, bushel and a half, two bushel decrease on corn yields and, you know, about I think seven tenths of a bushel decrease on bean yields, but they don't really have to do anything. So the market's kind of stuck. Unfortunately, if they just kick the can another month, leave it unchanged, I think that disappoints the market a little bit, uh, especially since we've kind of had a little bit of a bounce into this report. But, um, you know, as you look at I'm a I'm a big believer of, of seasonals, watching seasonals. I think generally the market does. And as you look at corn over the last five years, interestingly enough, I, I just in the past five years, on average, we put our harvest low in, uh, I think it's the 22nd, 23rd of August. So that's, yeah. you know, right when that pro farmer crop tour is going on. And so I could see that potentially setting up where the market, you know, says, oh, this is just a great crop. It's a record crop coming. And then, you know, as they get out into this, if, if, this is a big if, if they're seeing, you know, hey, this dry June and, and the heat, um, you know, during pollination, it did do some, some damage. It's not quite as good as what we thought. You know, you put your low in and, and there you go. But uh, yeah. they're going to find, I can guarantee you, they're going to find everything. They're going to find stuff that uh, is pretty ugly. They're going to find stuff that's as good as last year. It's just is it as consistently as good as last year? I'm not, I'm not in that camp myself. So if you use the uh, bro science report that comes out of Twitter, you know you're gonna get you get the 
I'm like one rain away from a bumper crop and then I'm, I, I missed 10 rains ago. So my crop is crap. You know what I mean? So you, you, there's a the spectrum of what you see out there. Yeah. Typically when it's a good crop, you see a lot of, oh, we've got a great crop, got a great crop, got a great crop. But there's as many guys saying that my corn looks like crap as much as there are, man, I got the best crop I've ever had. And it's going to be a very interesting, um, fall harvest. And you know, this, like you said, the, the pro farmer, crop tour is going to be a, a very watched report as it comes out yeah and interestingly enough the the market um figures that out it, it figures it out quicker than it than it ever used to not sometimes it takes um you know the combines starting to roll but that information gets disseminated pretty quickly uh especially now with twitter and social media yeah. and the market does a pretty good job of figuring out okay is this is this a big crop or do we have some issues so uh you know we're, we're on track for continued volatility uh as we go forward here and that's just one piece of the puzzle you know we're talking about what is the final crop size we're going to be debating that until january but um you know information on there with the, the, the ukraine russia war uh you know it's black sea issue is still not going to go away and and you know, the wheat market seems to shrug that off i think it's maybe you know a little short-sighted um we've seen some rallies in the past they haven't been able to hold but they throw all that other uh, information out there with black sea china's had uh, some massive flooding it looks like uh, in in their key uh, ag areas there's no way even though they say uh we're in good shape you know you can't uh, believe anything that they tell you you have to go by what they show you and um they continue to be buyers you know even of our beans yeah. in the last two or three weeks so on top of, uh, you know, massive amounts of Brazilian beans. And so that demand story is, is still out there, especially for beans. Throw in the geopolitical stuff, throw in continuing weather and what our crop size is. And we're going to continue to have volatile markets, you know, for the foreseeable future. Probably clear out into winter and, and next spring. Yep. Yep. All right, let's jump over and talk about wheat for a minute. So wheat has been... You know, the corn and soybeans always kind of steal the show when it comes to that. Wheat's kind of the silent thing in the background that is just, I mean, it's gotten beat up just like everything else has, but it's still, the volatility in wheat is, is I, I think, unmatched even when you look at corn and beans. I mean, it's just the volatility there because it's, everything's hinging on the Black Sea Corridor, which, you know, now we're blowing up all the different uh, grain terminals and all the different situations in Ukraine. Ukraine's blowing up all of Russia's stuff in the Black Sea, so it's just a mess. Russia comes out today uh, with a uh, even steeper um, export tax on on wheat, uh, so they're raising that up. India it came out and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna start releasing some wheat and some rice back into the marketplace." If they were really scared about that to start with, I gotta believe this is a pretty short-lived thing. They're just trying to get some some you know geopolitical points here on the board to help them with things down the road as they start making their changes with what they see happening in their crops. So, I mean, I guess as you look at, at the wheat market, um, there, there's a lot of signals that are pointing towards this wheat price really taking off and going. Um, I mean, I've talked to guys, I've not talked to guys, I've heard, watched reports and read stuff, you know, where some guys are throwing out 10 to 12 bucks, you know, so, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big number out there, but I mean, we weren't that far from that about two months ago. So I guess, Chip, as you're looking at the wheat market, what are your thoughts there? And what do you see ahead of yeah, um, I, you know, I think to your point, all, all of those issues um, are friendly, right? And the futures market has tried to rally a couple times, and it can't follow through. 
And I think the wheat market especially is such a world market, such a political market. There's no question in my mind that we've seen a turn uh, in this war um, using ag and exports of, of ag as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the wheat market is, in my opinion, I still think that there's some life left in this thing. The India situation, you know, they're releasing reserves, their government reserves, back in domestically to keep prices from skyrocketing. They're talking about importing Russian wheat. India is usually a large exporter of wheat. So that whole region, that, you know, uh, Asia Pacific region that would, um, you know, take some wheat from India, this is a big deal. But the problem is, the world cash markets haven't, there's, they've stabilized, but they haven't really started rallying yet. And I think it's going to take that before the futures market finally says, okay, uh, we got some issues here and we need to go higher. I don't know when that happens, but I think it does eventually happen. And the funds have a massive short position. They've been rewarded very well for selling every single rally that wheat has had. And so one of these days, if the world cash market starts rallying, it will kind of lead the futures market along with it. It'll trigger the funds to get out of their shorts and take profits, and you will get, uh, finally, uh, that big rally. Now, I don't know if that's two weeks from now or nine months from now, but I still think that is a possibility. On top of that, you've got some dry weather concerns in the southern hemisphere for their wheat. Um, parts of Australia are starting to get... Uh, a little dry. They really haven't. This is kind of radar. They really haven't fixed the drought situation in Argentina. Um, myself included. I thought, okay, they they had a huge drought. You know, worst bean crop they've had, and I don't know, maybe ever. Um, they'll get fixed up during their winter. You know, you don't hear much about uh, the, the southern hemisphere in their winter, our summer. Uh, but they haven't really fixed much yet that, down there, and so they raise a fair amount of wheat. There's still issues, is my point in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's just, I think, a matter of time before the world wheat markets uh, kind of adjust higher to um, this Black Sea situation, to the India wheat uh, you know, export ban, and uh, moves higher and triggers these funds out of their shorts in the wheat. If that happens sooner rather than later, that's another thing, almost regardless of crop size on corn, it's going to drag corn along with it as well. So you know, beans play a part in, in corn and wheat to a lesser extent because of the spreads. It's not just, uh, you know, all the world, but now there's these spreads between, uh, you know, our corn and, and wheat and beans and wheat and corn and beans that play into where prices have to go to. And uh, it's it's really gotten uh, complicated out here. But I guess at the heart of it, I, I still am hopeful that uh, or expect that uh, the world wheat situation tightens up eventually because of this Black Sea uh, debacle that doesn't seem like it's getting any better, and it'll drag the futures with it. And my $12, I don't know. Uh, 10 could happen easy enough, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to take the futures market saying, okay, the cash market is the real market. Uh, it's rallying. Now that's our signal that this is a real deal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's jump over and talk about the proteins for a minute. Hogs had a pretty good two week run. Um, saw some really good, really good stuff there. A little, you know, back and forth. But here of late, they're kind of back to the old, same old song and dance when it came comes to the hog market. So I guess looking at that ship, what are your thoughts there? 
potentially signaling a major top, um, you know, right on time with we talked about seasonals in the corn market. Typically, this is right, uh, essentially bullseye on when we see a top um, in the summer hog market. The cutout is showing some weakness here. Um, Volatile trade yesterday. The thing that hit me yesterday is watching hogs trade, uh, you know, bad day the previous day. They were down 130 to 150. They almost unchanged. You thought, okay, maybe that was that was it. And then 20 minutes later, they're back down uh, 125 in the October contract. There's still a lot of selling in there. Uh, the funds are long, and we're at the time of a seasonal top. So, you know, potentially uh, it could be playing right into the way we normally trade hogs in the third and fourth quarter. And that is pretty uh, ugly trade in here. If the cash market uh, has topped and cutout continues to drop, there could be continued uh, a downside, especially in this October contract. Um, you know, I think it's entirely up to the to the cutout and the cash market. If it follows a normal seasonal, we've probably seen the top. Um, if it's going to be something weird and counter seasonal, and and you know this strong uh, hog cash market stays where it's at, there's too much of a discount in the October, and it's going to have to rally a lot. But right now, I think it's tipping you off that maybe we've kind of seen that seasonal top in the cutout. Yeah. All right. Uh, cattle side. Um it's the same thing, kind of back and forth. We've seen some big dips here over the last couple of weeks. We've seen some movements. Um, we were banging up against a, a really high uh, ceiling there for a minute. Had our, But looking at the, the cattle market now, what are your thoughts? I think we're the same. You know, um, again, we're kind of at that time frame on the calendar where <clears throat> we can kind of slide into October and November. Uh, but we're so disrupted with the supply. You know, I mean, it's pretty well publicized. We're you know, essentially sitting here uh, at all-time highs, you know, tightest um, numbers on the, you know, cattle herd than we've had since the 50s or 60s. And um, that takes a while. So it seems like every break gets bought. Now, demand, we've talked about that a lot. Have we started hurting demand? You know, the domestic consumer here is a big part of that. But, um, you know, right now it looks like, uh, hey, the, don't don't fix what's uh, what's not broken. Every dip gets bought. Uh, the cash market's kind of holding in this uh, 180 or slightly above. So as long as cash kind of holds in this 180 range, give or take a couple bucks on either side, uh, I think that every break will continue to be uh, bought uh, in the cattle market. If you see a two three week period where they the packers finally are able to to break the cash market significantly, could probably open up a, a healthy break, but. Even then, I don't think that uh, it's something that you can say, we've, we've fixed this, right? It takes months, if not years, to kind of get our uh, cattle cycle back to, to normal after this two-year drought they had. Right. All right. One more thing. As you look at the energy marketplace, um, oil has finally broke out of the 70s and it's into the 80s. And it's kind of bounced around that. 79 to 82, 83 line, um, which took forever. I mean, basically it was 72 to 76 is kind of where it lived for about most of 2023. So, so as you're looking at the energy market now, we've kind of broke past that 70 mark. Is is the 80s where we're going to live out for the other half of, of, two, of 2023 and then look at something different going into 24? Uh, it looks to me um, like the 80s uh, could be, something we're going to have to get used to. 
Uh, I think that it's possible that you could even push crude oil up into the low 90s, $92, $94 range. I don't know that we've got to go to, uh, you know, 110 120 The problem is, you know, we just had an inflation report. Um, it is cooling a little bit, like 3%. This isn't going to help that cost any, right? Um, so if you keep it even in the mid-80s, um, it's like uh, it's not that good of a deal for the entire economy. and it's our own doing, you know. We could have a whole half-hour podcast on this. We've talked about it. Um, we screwed up and didn't, you know, replenish the uh, reserve. We're going to pay the price for it. Saudi Arabia knows it. The rest of the world knows it, and uh, they're going to uh, stick our nose in it right now. So it's yep. unfortunately, I think the uh, the '80s um, is get used to, and, and possibly into the '90s. Yeah. The best trade ever could have been made in the history of trades, and it didn't absolutely happen. it would have been, it yeah. would have been, and uh, but it have been that one assumes like, that assumes they wanted to do it in the first place, and I'm pretty sure uh, that was never even yeah. behind closed doors uh, part of the part of talks. Yeah, and in finance classes all over the uh, the uh, collegiate world would have been talking about this for forever, but. No, it didn't happen. So, yeah. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> biting my tongue. I'm biting my tongue, Casey. <laughs> oh, that's frustrating. All right, man. Um, all right, Chip. I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what you're doing over at Blue Reef Agri Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our uh, office uh, here in Morton. It's 309 550 And we'd love to, love to talk to you, love to chat with you, tell you what. Uh, kind of our philosophy on risk management and, uh, you know, kind of maybe see what, uh, what ways you could improve your risk management plan uh, and, and the integration and implementation. So we'd love to hear from you. Right on. Well, Chip, appreciate you being on the podcast. We'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, Casey. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and go over to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Go uh, to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and uh, check out what's going on over there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. It's going to be smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.